On this episode of Spiritual Hustle, we'd like to welcome Vipol Desai to the show. Vipol is the president and co-founder of ARA Compliance Support, a firm that acts as an outsourced compliance department for security registered firms. He is an entrepreneur who has had lifetime interest in spirituality and alternative teachings. Vipol, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Vipol, one of the things that uh, has come up on many podcasts is uh, the idea of being able to live a spiritual life yet being successful in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And I've known you for years and I look to you as a person who's been able to make that bridge mm-hmm. successfully. Right. And I thought we what we could get into is like your philosophy around how you've been able to do that. And not only philosophy, but what actions you actually took to bridge that and become successful. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, I truly believe that in order to be authentic, to uh, have an authentic spiritual life, you need to be comfortable, right? You can't be spiritual if you're worried about your bills. You can't be spiritual if you're in a terrible job that you're just engaged in because you need to uh, make money. And you can't be spiritual if you have severe physical, uh, you know, problems. So I think these are prerequisites. You know, if you look at some of the ancient teachings, uh, ancient teachings from India, uh, they teach about materiality, they teach about health. And the understanding there is that you need that as a prerequisite to have what we call a spiritual life. And I think I would rephrase it from spiritual to authentic. You know, you want to have a life in which you feel you're in the right place, doing the things you want to do uh, with the people that you'd like, and you're not wasting time. So is it true that like in, in the Vedic tradition in India, um, many people wait until later in life to like to devote themselves completely to their spiritual studies. Like they they go out there, they have a career, they have a family, and at a certain age, mm-hmm. they disappear Absol- into the woods. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, that is the formula. So the formula is that when you're in your teens and twenties, uh, you become a householder. Mind you, this was an earlier era, so people had babies a lot, lot earlier than now. Yeah. But, you know, you become a householder, you have kids, you have a wife, you have a job, you take care of them, and then by the time you're 50 now, you know, which might be maybe 70 in our era, you go into the forest and you recommune. Um, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the theory. I like the idea of having both, you know, being having to have a having a material life, having pure materiality, but having time to go off into the forest and have that spiritual, uh, you know, uh, periods. I, I don't think you should wait till you're 70 before you do that. I think that should be part of your life. But in your case, is a forest like a five-star hotel, four seasons in Bali? Like, is that the equivalent now? <laughs> Well, the forest is really my state of mind. Uh, the Four Seasons Hotel certainly helps. But uh, it really depends on who you are, you know. I don't think you necessarily have to go out and make millions of dollars. Um, you know, some people get there by being minimalist. They say, look, I'm perfectly happy with very little. And others, you know, build a life for themselves and they're comfortable. Um, but, but what they're both doing is they're trying to avoid temptation, Right. They're trying to avoid uh, being tempted to engage in things that they're not fully uh, in line with. And so spirituality is really about building a world for yourself where you can be authentic, where you can, you know, get in touch with your, uh, your inner self and you can raise your consciousness. So you make an interesting point. You're 
aligning um, spirituality with being authentic. Right? Mm-hmm. I never heard anyone make that correlation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in your case, you were saying they're they're almost they're, they are the exact same thing, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in order to be authentic, to be your to understand who you truly are and, and act from that position, you have to embrace your spiritual side because that is obviously a big part of you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think human beings have some basic needs and spirituality is one of them. I think the unfortunate thing is that there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of noise out there in which spirituality is sold to people. And people often use it as as an escape. They want to be spiritual so they don't have to deal with their problems. And that's not spirituality. That's just uh, uh, the alternative to watching soap operas all day. It's just a distraction. So you have to be brutally honest with yourself. Are you spiritual or are you really just uh, engaged in something to distract yourself? So for you, what does it mean to be really spiritual? Like, What does your day look like in order for that to happen, in order for you to be that? Well, you know, I... I <laughs> Yeah, like spirituality you in the morning and meditate. It's not like a button you can press, right? So I think there's no, but things, it has to be an action or a behavior. Well, well, it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what what it is is, um, I'm a big believer in process. You know, I believe it's very important to have a schedule to be organized. I have a timetable. I have a calendar. You know, there's spots in there for meditation, for quiet contemplation, for reading, Cold for showers. Uh, well, cold showers as well. And then there's time in it for meetings and getting work done. So I think on your end, what, what a person has to do is is make time in their lives to do things that enhance uh, their themselves spiritually. So in other words, have times for meditation, have quiet times, read interesting uh, you know, books and watch videos and things that inspire you. But the result is not in your hands, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that you, it's not like ordering a, a you know, <laughs> ordering a meal at, <laughs> you know, at a restaurant. You can't say, "Well, I'll have the spirituality with an order <laughs> of gravy today." It's you know, it's not in your hands. It's a gift. So the moments of inspiration, the moments that you have that you feel completely at peace and just feel wonderful. Those are gifts that come to you. But they only come through repetitive practice, and you have to let go of the expectation for immediate result. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's almost like those those high spiritual moments happen when you don't expect them, right? And mm-hmm. when you do expect them, you're you're blocking energy. Here's an interesting question that's come up a couple of times. In order to evolve spiritually, do you think you need a teacher? Um, and the reason I bring that up is uh, me me and Justin have had this debate in the past, and he mm-hmm. thinks you don't need a teacher. Okay. I've, I have the opinion that it makes things a lot easier when you have a teacher, mm-hmm. um, especially if they come from like um, like a lineage that's mm-hmm. rich in its history and its methods and its application, right? Um, I would love to understand your opinion on that. Yeah, well, I, I think techniques... Um Spiritual techniques are a lot like clothes. You know, what might look good and just and may not suit you and vice versa. So I think the first thing you really need to do is explore what, what you're, how you are as a person. I, I agree with you. Like, I personally need a, a spiritual teacher uh, because uh, the teacher is a, is, a go, is a post, is a guidepost. And, uh, you know, I just resonate better having... A spiritual teacher. Now there's other people who can do quite well reading books and watching videos and contemplating on their own. It's really a matter of your own psychological makeup. But really, when I think about it, 
in order to like uh, evolve your consciousness, even f- like mm-hmm. for a minute, even for a moment, mm-hmm. to get out of like uh, the regular brainwaves into gamma brainwaves, which mm-hmm. is another way to describe it. And you need an energetic push, right? Sometimes just doing it by yourself is is difficult, not impossible. Well, yeah, there's, there's an old uh, fable, you know, the old story from India about a man who went to a guru, a teacher, and said, "Can I, uh, can I study with you?" And the guru said, "Forget it." Uh, you know, he saw that this fellow was up to no good, and that uh, years down the road he'd do some this terrible sound things. Familiar? Yeah. So what this fellow did is he went home and he created a clay statue of the guru, and he propitiated the the clay statue. Um, he read up on the guru's techniques and pretended he was instructed by this clay statue, and he grew up and he did very well. The story there is that it's really your belief and your connection that makes it real. So if you have a genuine belief in something, then it's real. Yeah, and um, when it comes to um, the necessity of somebody else to give them their energy and give it to you, uh, there's a couple of things that, that concern me because one, if somebody knows how to give energy, then they also know how to take energy. And that's, that's sort of my fear is the trust. Um, and and uh, putting your, your total faith in, in something that you cannot see with your senses and that they have uh, mastery over uh, over you in, in a sense that could set you back thousands of years, plenty many lifetimes uh, mm-hmm. we're talking about. That sort of thing is like, one, you have to learn how to do it yourself because when you're at your lowest point, when you're, you know, when there's 12 wolves surrounding you, mm-hmm. you and, and your guru is not there, and you're like, guru, I need the energy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, no, no, you, you, you don't want to be reaching out for somebody else to give you that energy. You want to be like, all right, I got it within, I can do it myself. And there we go. And then yeah. that's sort of the, the opposite angle of that. I, I'd like to respond to yeah, that. Sure. I think there's two uh, comments here. One is the guru's power over you. And I would say that there are uh, a lot of charlatans out there and a lot of people who get duped. But I would put forward the idea that folks who get duped are running away from their problems, right? They're using spirituality as a way to hide from you know, uh, from other issues, money problems, family, whatever, and they're not confronting them. I think someone who's a genuine seeker, you know, my guru likes to say that spiritual people are the most powerful people in the world. You know, if if you're sitting around and you're worried about things and you're kind of flaky, you're spiritless. And so I think what happens in society is people who are troubled are drawn to uh, you know, charlatans and they get taken advantage of. So that's the unfortunate thing. The thing about a guru um, relationship is it's not something that uh, you can force. You are aligned with a guru based on an inner feeling that you have, an inner connection, right? So if you have that, then you know it. And if you don't have that, you don't know it. Like you, you know when you're in love. Right, not every person is in love with that girl, but but you know when you're in love. So in the same way, you know when you have a connection with a teacher or a connection with a particular path. So I think that's important. Doing it on yourself. The only thing that troubles me is that it's a definition of self. Right, there is our identity of who we are and our habits and our thoughts. And you know, there's an old Chinese saying that you can't get out of a box made of your own thoughts. So there's got to be something outside of yourself. It doesn't have to be a human guru. It could be a clay statue. It could be whatever. But the idea of spirituality is that you get beyond your limited thinking. 
Yeah, and um, I feel like when you get beyond your limited thinking, the best way to do that is to have uh, open dialogue with intelligent people. Mm-hmm. And um, and I struggle with uh, with having open dialogue with somebody um, who who puts themselves at, at, at a position of power. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is like particularly coming from a mindset from Christianity, mm-hmm. because um, I get very frustrated when I, I see in. I'm from uh, I lived in South Carolina, so mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see billboards that say that uh, only Jesus can save you, mm-hmm. and I immediately in my head go, uh, well, metaphorically yes, but but the, the point is is that Jesus is within you, so um, that that that's where that energy is supposed to be coming from. But everyone else is perceiving that as if Jesus is going to come down from the heavens and 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 snap them up from the and save them from the floods and the and the fires and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, an enlightened guru will never ask you to follow them. That's one. That's one you yeah. can tell. Yeah, and, and that's the that's the the where I draw the line when somebody when a guru is is legit like you like you said you'll know and you'll know and then uh, in the case of my guru he will tell people to leave mm-hmm. you know because if they're wasting time he will push them away so that is really uh, the key but at the end of the day you know it's not really. Uh, it has to do with what resonates with you, right? You've got your own path. And, you know, for me or anyone else to come in and say, no, you've got to do this, is to interfere with uh, your process. Right? That's true. But but th- there are times when you're, you're kind of lost and you don't know mm-hmm. what to do next up. I remember you coming down to Connecticut and talking to Dr. Pillai, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and and I, I think you utilize the guru relationship um the way it should be mm-hmm. like you were out in the world you were you were creating your company you were doing what you needed to do when you came up against struggles you utilize that relationship to get some feedback some input uh, and techniques to get around that right mm-hmm. you got that and then you went back into the world and you did what you needed to do right mm-hmm. and i remember you doing it more frequently uh at a certain period of time and then has you evolved mm-hmm. in those areas that you needed to that that contact became less and less right it did yeah absolutely but what i also started doing is the techniques the meditations and those things i started doing uh, with more intensity so that that's the case mm-hmm. so you're actually building that bridge to the divine yourself which is what you were talking about mm-hmm. originally Justin, because yeah. you, you need to do that. The, the point the point is is that both work. So both work in tandem. So you, mm-hmm. you obviously need somebody to tell you what the techniques are and stuff. But all that other stuff, the putting all the work in, you mm-hmm. can't rely on somebody else to no. do that work for you. No, and, no, and that's my point. Right. In a lot of ways, it's just like getting a fitness trainer, right? Someone who trains you, you, you know, you get to a certain point and then you're okay. But you need someone mm-hmm. to give you that that push. You need, and, 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 I lift the weights, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in, the, in, in the relation of a guru, um, me and Vipul had been with him to trips in India, right? And when you've been to these trips in India to power spots, and you can feel the energy, and you realize, the, and you not only realize, you know there's more to this reality than you see with the, the senses, it emboldens you to live a spiritual life. Because mm-hmm. up until then, all you know is the materialistic world, right? But when you get a flavor of that, like everything changes. It's like uh, they, they set the example for you. They, they Right. They set the example. They put you in an environment where you can feel it yourself, and it becomes part of you. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think at some point, you just have to experience it yourself. You know, you can't. Uh, 
guru is not a human being necessarily because they channel energy mm-hmm. and they are an energetic being as well. So when you're in their presence, if you connect with them, you feel an energetic jolt. Um, they, I felt that, yeah. Um, my uh, business partner, he was sitting with a, a guru next, yeah. to, next to him at the airport yeah. and they started talking because he was, he was dressed in okay. what, what my business partner called silly garb. Right. And, um, and so he was asking him questions and stuff and then, and then you know, he was getting all these great answers and then um, he, he goes, well, let me take a picture with you. And the guru goes, okay, yeah, sure. And he goes to put his hand around uh, the guru and he touches the guru's shoulder and he's like, you know, and this yes. is not a spiritual person and he's yes. like, clearly felt something. So, yeah. Interesting. So dig it. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, anyone can be a guru with enough practice and time. Does that include you people? <laughs> but um, Are you going to be putting out a video like Anthony Robbins, I'm not your guru, when yeah. you really want to be the guru? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I think, I think the guru word has been overused. Yeah. What I'm basically saying is you can inspire other people. But certainly, uh, these are folks who channel who have access to energy. Like, there's no point in me talking about it unless you actually experience it. But yes, you know, think about it this way. You go into a restaurant and it's beautiful. Everything feels wonderful. And you feel like ordering food and you get a nice bottle of wine and it's fantastic. And you go into another restaurant and you, and you just aren't in the mood to eat. Right. You just, you just have a glass of water, your meal, and get out of there before dessert. What's really affecting you to some extent is the energy of the place. Mm. So places have energy, and then people have energy as well. So when I said anyone could be a guru, what what I was really trying to say is every anyone can be a vessel for energy. But in order for you to develop that, it takes a lot of training, a lot of discipline, a lot of meditation. The problem with the so-called spiritual, what's considered spirituality, is that they remove discipline from it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about feeling good. Yeah, that's the but, issue with you. That's a great point. Yeah. You mean modern spirituality? Modern spirituality. That's right. Not not from the not from the third century BC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Though who knows? Maybe they were into it too. I mean, we're pleasure-seeking beings, and what we—that's what we are. We're pleasure-seeking, and we don't like to wait. So the problem is that the spiritual life is very difficult. But if you're able to. Uh, you know, work on something like Noah from the Bible, if you're able to build an ark, right, based on your message and keep doing it when everyone thinks you're an idiot, then that's spirituality. That's that's a great deal of dedication. If you look at the story, I mean, I'm sure he was subject to a lot of ridicule. Uh, he probably thought, what the heck am I doing? Why am I building this ridiculous ark? But that is an example of spirituality, right? An example of doing what you have to do doing the hard work, whether it's meditations or building a business or looking at your bank account, whatever it is, having your schedule and process and working through it. And then those fantastic moments are gifts. You know, you might get one, maybe just once in a decade, you might have this amazing experience. You get to appreciate it so much more. You get to appreciate it more and you realize it's not, doesn't belong to you, Mm. right? So whenever I have great moments, those are gifts. But... The important thing, what we have to work on is is doing our practice, doing our job, focusing on what we can do day to day. Right. That, that'll open up the gates of energy to give you those experiences. Mm-hmm. But it, your viewpoint on them being gifts is the way to view it. Because I remember, like, 
I would have like very high spiritual experiences mm-hmm. uh, and then I wouldn't have it for a while, long while. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it would make me think like, what am I not doing right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to just being grateful for the experience I did have. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that attitude contributed to the fact that it was, I had long dry periods when mm-hmm. it came to having high spiritual experiences. And, and just for the record, when I say high spiritual experiences, I mean, you being in a state of um, probably, if you if you can measure it from the brain wave perspective, like in gamma state, where you can perceive everything much more than you uh, usually can, and you come from a place of knowing, mm-hmm. like instead of like having to learn and get knowledge, like you you know things, right? You get intuitively, and yeah, intuitively, yeah. and you come from the heart instead of the head, and there's a lot more joy associated mm-hmm. with the world and yourself, right? Um, th- 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 those were the, all the common factors that I experienced when I was in higher states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the important part is like starting the first step in, in practicing, or else that will never happen, no matter how infrequent it is. Yeah, and you know that that's also a business principle too. You know, a lot of people fail because they expect some level of success quickly. Exactly. Right. They connect their action to results. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, if I can talk about sales for a minute, that might Please be Please do. <laughs> you know, I remember one client, it took me two years to get that client. And there was lots of meetings and phone calls and back and forth. And I think most normal people would have said, oh, forget this. It's not worth it. But I didn't, uh, I didn't focus on the result. I focused on the process, you know. I took the calls, I had the meetings, and even now, you know, I would say my business is not a straight line, it goes ups and up and down, long term it's up. But the mental attitude of, of separating immediate gratification from what you need to do, I think is a very important skill, whether it's in spirituality or in business. You know, I think that's where we screw up because we kind of look for the outcome and say, where's the toy? You know, where's the candy? I, I need the candy now. Yeah. And that's what destroys, I think, a lot of people. I think uh, the big thing that you wrote on, um, on your uh, the syllabus that you gave us was uh, was persistence. And I, I know that that's the number one trait for uh, for entrepreneurs. And I think that the, the biggest thing that, that you just brought up was, and, and something that I'm, I'm trying to grapple with myself, is to just take out the this, this time factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just accept it as an illusion and just say, if I do this thing and this thing, this, this cause creates the effect that I want in my life, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter, um, how long it takes. I'm just going to keep doing that, that as long as that, as long as I know that that thing causes the effect that I want. Mm-hmm. And so in your sales, in that sales experience, you said it took two years to, to do, to happen, but you just kept doing the things that you knew would, uh, would create the sale. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter how long it took. It was going to happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, there's uh, so absolutely. Um, you do need to kind of not. I wouldn't say ignore time, but don't focus on it. Mm-hmm. You know, focus on what you have to do. Um, yeah, it, when yeah, when I say like get rid of it, I mean like mm-hmm. people pay, spend way too much attention on yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the specifics of the um, the mechanism of what you're just talking about. Personally, like when when I'm trying to get something done mm-hmm. or manifest something, mm-hmm. um, every time it does manifest, there comes a point where I'm in the in the moment, and it's almost like I make a decree: this will happen, and I feel it as if it's already there. Like mm-hmm. every cell in my body, I feel it. Mm-hmm. And when I can get to that point, 
I don't worry about the outcome anymore because I know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge I have is I can't do that with everything, but when I do, mm-hmm. it, it's done, and, and it's always come to, um, it's always manifested. Whatever mm-hmm. that topic was, right? It mm-hmm. always manifested. Can you relate to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, maybe uh, the way I would phrase it is it's a partnership, right, between you and the divine, right? So the divine is happy to come and give you what you need if you're in the right frame of mind. But if the divine is ready to hand you an amazing business partner or uh, opportunity or uh, angel investor and you're not organized, then that's a waste. So your work is really getting you in a space where you can receive uh, blessings. And you realize it. Yeah, and you don't really know what it is. You know, honestly, most of my plans don't work out, uh, but they always have sort of a, a side door. So I, there was a particular type of offering that I wanted to put together. I had tons of meetings around it, but it didn't work out. But then there was, a, there was another side opportunity that came from it. Or you might pitch to one client and it doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden, someone that the client worked, like an employee, left the firm and joined another firm and they call you up and boom. So life isn't a straight line. So I think that's kind of the the game, right? You've got to be a straight line. You've, You've got to have a process and a schedule and do stuff and you've you've got to be willing to be open to the fact that some of your things won't work out that you may get success in different ways you may have an inspiration that comes to you that's the random part of it which you can't can't really control usually when i'm able to like to to Mm -hmm. get to that point in the moment I'm coming from a place of extreme frustration mm-hmm. and I'm going, you know, screw this. It's going to happen now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and something switches on me. You're, you're talking, and, and you're talking about like process and you got to follow that process. Mm-hmm. Process takes a, a, a bit of time. And I fully agree that the, you, you have to have that. Right. Right. But what I'm wondering is, is, is there a way to get something now? Right. In the moment we've <laughs> talked about this before, right? Yes. The instant and, and, gratification. The instant so, so gratification. <laughs> So maybe you can give us an example of uh, when you felt like that. When I was able to achieve that? Yeah. Okay. Um, there was a time when I, when I was camping, right? Mm. And uh, I had a bad case of uh, athlete's foot, mm. right? And we were far from anywhere where I could get anything to resolve it. And it was driving me a little crazy. And I, I remember sitting there uh, looking at my foot, like just like waving my hand over the foot mm-hmm. and I remember getting frustrated at it and then making a decision this has to leave mm-hmm. this is done it's not an issue anymore right and then I could feel something happening in the foot mm-hmm. and, and and in that moment I knew this is it it's done right yeah and it was done the athlete's foot was gone literally so, like almost like in the next like 15 minutes Interesting. Yeah, I, I've had those experiences too, but that's really around when you have an intense feeling. Yes. Right. Right. And um, yeah, definitely. I would say that uh, I have some clients that live in that intense feeling all the time. They yeah, say, what kind I, of lives do they have? Amazing. Really? All, most of my clients are, are doing very well. We need to take a step back, maybe, and um, talk about how V-Pool became V-Pool. So, mm-hmm. We could, we could get a, a brief history. 
I'm vacating people. Yeah. You should bring my mother here. She'll give you the <laughs> long, long version. Get, get her on the phone. Get her on the phone. Get her to answer a few questions. Yeah, I've always had an interest in, in uh, I hate the word spirituality. I've always, even when I was a kid, I always felt that uh, the world I was in was, was not all there is, that there was some other world out there. Uh, I've always had that feeling and uh i was introvert growing up i didn't really like you know connecting with uh, other people through university as well i mean i did well in school but you know i didn't really enjoy being too social and uh you know i think in the 90s um i uh i saw a, an ad for a seminar and that was the guru that i met and uh at the time I you know I was I had sort of a okay job and you know not not a great marriage and mortgage and just kind of living a very mundane life and I saw this uh, this uh, this this gentleman's face and I just had an inkling I thought whoa this is going to be great so I signed up for the seminar and the seminar was supposed to be 6 months later and so for that entire 6 months I kept thinking about it you know we went on vacation that year and I was thinking about <laughs> this guru all through my trip to Greece and whenever I was in a bad place I thought oh, you know uh, this is going to be amazing and so uh, I met him and I was disappointed at first I think in retrospect, I was disappointed because I came into the uh, situation with a whole bunch of expectations and they weren't met immediately. But my wife at the time suggested that we, you know, go to a second seminar, a weekend thing. And I did that and I felt a real connection. And he started teaching techniques and things that I started working on. And uh, it made a huge difference. You know, I went to India. So first of all, I, I lost my job. You know, I uh, left my, my marriage. Um, I uh, had a lot of crazy things going on, you know, in my life, mm-hmm. financially, emotionally, and so on. But I kept with the practices, and I felt that I was taken care of. And miraculously, whenever I needed stuff, it was there. And so um, I started in this business, um, I guess about a year after, or maybe a few months after I separated from my wife. Um, and so you can see I was out of my home. I, uh, I, out of guilt, I, you know, agreed to pay her a lot of money and I was hardly making anything cause I wasn't working. <laughs> and, uh, I started this business out of the blue. And so through the turmoil of an aggressive divorce and through uh, all of these financial and other problems, I, uh, I built the business. And I'll tell you how I did it. Because anytime I went into a meeting or I had a project or I had a manual or something to work on, I would say, this is what I'm working on. Nothing else exists. And I would do that, including my meditations including my rituals. So I would get up in the morning and I'd say, I know there's a lot of shit to deal with, but all I'm dealing with now is this ritual. This is it. And I did that. I lived like that for three, four years. And I realized that it became ingrained into what I do. I do now intuitively. And things change for the better. I just didn't, uh, you know, I just, it was a subtle change over time. It changed slowly and I started having, uh, getting, you know, getting a good reputation in the industry, getting better clients, uh, charging more money, 
um, you know, I started bringing staff on board and building the business. And, and today I look back on it and I think, whoa, that was weird. You know, <laughs> because there's no one thing that I did, but I think maybe what saved me was the fact that I would use that old Zen technique of taking every task and breaking it into little tiny pieces and doing one piece at a time and doing it perfectly, including the spiritual practices. Yeah, I think you hit on a, a bunch of uh, really good insights. And, and you know, I, I always tell my friends who are trying to get into meditation, who I know aren't going to be able to just sit and, and, and focus on their breath, is to, like, really, when I think of meditation, I think of it just you're just doing one thing. And it's like, that's what you said to yourself, I'm just going to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, you kind of shocked me a little bit when you were like, and I'm not going to do my meditation, I'm not going to do... Uh, this stuff. I'm just going to do this one thing, mm -hmm. and uh, and you put it aside, and you basically meditated on doing the project, getting the project to completion, and um, so that, that was really uh, really good insight. And that's why I'm just kind of uh, highlighting it for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Doing work as a meditation too, mm -hmm. you know, doing great work as a meditation. Steve Jobs was an inspiration for me as well, because I thought of him as uh, someone who integrated a spiritual and a material life. Mm -hmm. Now there was, there was a lot of flaws in his character, of course, I'm not suggesting that we all become like him, but one of his uh, sayings that I really took to heart was, there's no greater pleasure in this world than doing great work. Hmm. And great work really is at the end of the meditation. And if you do the work thinking, this is really not just for me, but I'm offering this to God, I'm doing this for a higher purpose, you know, mm -hmm. uh, then your work becomes more inspired. Yeah, it's like um, it, it has a domino. It has an effect on everybody else around you. They see that you're doing a good a good job, um, mm -hmm. and then they're like, "Well, I got up my game a little bit," and you just suddenly <laughs> it's like you make everything a little bit better. Yes. And as long as you don't get so big to where you're stamping out competition with, uh, <laughs> with, with lobbyists and all, and all that nonsense, um, uh, I feel we're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get we'll get back to it. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> Yeah. You're not uh -huh. hiring any lobbyists in Washington yet. I think everything you're talking about is what you wrote up in the bio in regards to going back to process and persistence. Mm -hmm. it, whether it was the, uh, the company, like your company or the meditation. Um, but let me ask you a question. Like, like when you came across like difficult situations um, and, and you felt like, as we all do, anxiety or fear... Did you fall back onto the, the spiritual practice? Is that your, your go-to to kind of get beyond that? Yeah, well, the first thing was panic, of course. You, know, you <laughs> fall back on panic and a little bit of swearing at times. But then, uh, you know, um, two things. Yeah, the spiritual, the practices were things I did every day, no matter if it was a great day or, or a lousy day. But what I found was that I was more resilient as I kept doing the practices, I was I right. was able to be more logical, and uh, you know that's the real benefit of it for me. That that's some that's mm -hmm. a, like a great point. So it made you more resilient. So when those situations did come up, you you handled them better. You handled them better, yeah. And I assume that in the situations, if they were they were ex like extreme, it still gave you the tools to, to deal w with it. Well, yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, what was it, can you can you think about like like a very difficult situation? Well, you know, there's can, some things that, that that are very hard. You know, like I yeah. have a son, and of course, if right. there's any issues with my son, uh, all the spirituality in the world isn't going to solve it, right? Because it's a very core uh, thing that I have. Um, you know, it it's uh, it's not a pill you take when you feel bad. You know, it's really something you do every day. And you um, recognize that there are certain things that can just, you know, affect you in a, in a terrible way. You know, the human mind, I mean, we've, we've built a world that is really not made for humans, if you think about it. You know, we've Not healthy humans, anyway. No, well, I mean, basically, we still have a reptilian brain. We still have pleasure-seeking and we short-term in thinking. And so what have we built? We've got social media. We've got easy access to liquor. They've legalized pot. They've uh, got Netflix. You can watch things whenever you want, you know. And so what's happened is we've sort of made the world too easy. And, uh, you know, we can buy things online very easily. We can rack up credit card bills easily. Mm -hmm. So I think we've sort of developed this world that preys on human frailty, right? That's an excellent point. And so, you know, if you're going to have a chance, you're going to have to kind of... uh, you know, be more than human. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have to be. Uh, you're gonna tap into your, yeah. yeah, your higher self. You're gonna have to see things for what it truly is, and so that's what the meditations does. Do terrible, terrible things happen? Yes, uh, terrible things can happen that cause great anxiety, and uh, there might be deaths in the family or tremendous losses, and it feels horrible, but. You know, I think what the practices do is they sort of give you a context. You know, they're not going to take it away. The other thing I want to talk about spirituality is that, you know, it's it's sold to us as being like uh, a vacation in the Bahamas. It's this beautiful, wonderful thing. (laughs) (laughs) But the reality is that, you know, if you're in a bad place, it's like... um, you know, detoxing from heroin, you're gonna, you're gonna go through hell. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take you through some terrible times. You might lose your job. You might lose all your friends. You might no longer be the person you are, right? And so there is a bit of courage that one needs to take that path. And I would say that it's not for everyone. I think most people just want to be comfortable, and they don't want to take the path. And so I think that's the other aspect to it. The idea that spirituality gives you comfort is sort of the Disney version of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through a tremendous transformation. I had a lot of, you know, trying times. I had, I had tremendous fears, panics, elations, up, down. But, you know, it was just basically the, the spiritual practices made me a stronger person. And over time, I would say that the the that the difficulties I had made me stronger too, right? Now I don't panic so much. You know, if something happens, I'd say, well, you know, it could be worse. It could be something wrong with my son, and he's fine. It's only money, so so don't worry about it. It gives you a context, right? Yeah. I When I first started, got, started getting into meditation, it was not enjoyable. And then I started hearing about all these new agers and, right. and everything, and they always had these big smile, glowing smiles on their faces and everything. Right. And I'm like, how could, I mean, like, yeah, I look out my window and I'm like, how could you, you guys always be happy all the time? Like, 
the world is, is not a happy place. Like I, I stop and I think about certain things and I, I when I start comp- contemplating it, uh, fall down these, these so-called rabbit holes and uh, these rabbit holes are our culture. And, uh, and, and like you were talking about, like how easy it is to get these sort of things. Like, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a regular user of marijuana, but, but I use it in a very spiritual way. And I know people who abuse it. And, um, and, and like, if I'm smoking, that means I'm going to be meditating mm-hmm. um, shortly thereafter. But um, when you use it improperly, it basically just completely destroys your drive. And with knowing all this stuff, none of, it, none of this was fun. And, and it's always something that, that you always point to. It's just like, it, it's like 99% of it's not fun. And then you get to uh, a milestone, mm-hmm. a success point, and, and it's totally worth the ride. Yeah. I think we have to differentiate between bliss and happiness. Happiness is kind of like a little, is, uh, is a, a little toy that you're given for behaving well. And bliss is, when, is, is a genuine feeling of comfort connection. and accomplishment and connection. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, just to raise another point, let's talk about liquor for a minute. Sure. You know, in the U.S., it was in the Constitution that and that uh, liquor was illegal, and the reason they did that is because there was a lot of deaths and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know dysfunction around that, and so they said they said, look, let's just uh, ban it. Um, I'm not suggesting anyone who takes a drink is going to become an alcoholic, but there was a certain percent, right? And the problem is. If you had a drug that said you have a one in ten chance of having a severe reaction, the FDA would not approve it, right? I'm off topic here a little bit, but no, what I'm no. trying, to, <laughs> but what I'm trying to suggest is uh, to the readers is that you're in danger. Okay, you're in danger. If I'm using liquor as an example. We could talk about buying things on Amazon if you'd like. You know, pornography. how uh, pornography? How easy and accessible is everything? And um, so what's happened is we have a world in which things are easy and accessible. And so our ability to struggle, our ability to work, our ability to be resilient is atrophied in that world. And so spirituality is the one thing that ain't easy. It's the one thing you can't push a button and you're going to get. And so if you truly are a spiritual seeker, you have to be willing to you know, put up with the, with the work. You know, one of my favorite movies is uh, was There Will Be Blood. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie. You know, with um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. And yeah. it's the initial scene where basically he's in a mine and he's, and he's mining for silver or something. And uh, he falls down the shaft and he finds the silver. And what he has to do is take a few of these rocks, put them in his pocket haul himself out of that uh, mine and then drag his body miles and miles and miles to the nearest town. That is a beautiful illustration of spirituality because at the end of the day, what happens is then the next last scene, they see the assay person basically writing him a chit that he had made two ounces of silver or whatever. And that was the money that he used to then go on and build his, his thing. But I love that scene. And, you know, we've lost that. We've lost the, the joy of the struggle. We've lost the hard work. We've lost all of that, you know, by having these things that are so readily available. I'm going to bring up a flip side on that. Um, I mean, bring up um, Jesus going into the, the desert mm-hmm. and being tempted by the devil, um, by Satan. And that's sort of the world that I feel like we're in, where 
you know, the devil's there and he's, he's like, you can have anything you want. Just, just name it. Uh, you can have, uh, if, if you wanted to turn that rock into bread, you could do it right now. Like, I've seen you do that, Jesus, you know, go do it. And that's sort of where we're at with the internet. You know, you can have whatever you want. It's all right there. And it's like, it gives you the opportunity to become resilient. And that, that's sort of what, why I'm seeing people, either people are getting rocked and they're falling into these addictions, or they're shooting up, it's becoming superstars very quickly because they say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look, watch porn. I'm not going to become an alcoholic. And they're constantly being 10,000, you know, if you're online regularly, you're looking at 10,000 ads per day on average. So yes. it's like, if you can turn all that off and, and, and take those on, those, those, those ads on as, as challenges to say, mm. uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to purchase that. I'm not going to smoke that. Um, yeah. Then uh, you, can, you can really grow and expand very quickly. In, in in this sort of environment sure absolutely and that's so what i mean by yeah. that's what i mean by authentic you know is it your choice or is it some external thing mm -hmm. that pushes you one way or the other mm -hmm. so i think that's uh, i think that's part of it but um you know i don't the other side is don't feel guilty you know that's i think it, yeah. i think guilt is one of the worst things that's why people turn away from religion because Religion instills a bit of guilt in you. Yeah, you yeah. he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do this. So, or <laughs> you did this, church, yeah. yeah, or yeah, whatever. Um, you know, even if you were, uh, you know, a pot smoking um, alcoholic who loves porn, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're, 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 you're fine. You'll as <laughs> you're fine. meaning you your your jet not not your habits aren't fine but you know there's a way out right like I think what beats people up is feeling terrible about what happened in the past or where they are right now. I, I really do feel I agree because I, I do feel like that cigarette smokers mm -hmm. I feel like the vast majority of the sickness that the disease that they give themselves is is give is given based on the guilt that they get from other people. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the smoking over the actual smoke. I know that there's health dangers to smoking, but it's like mm -hmm. being feeling guilty constantly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just not a good a good mindset to be in. Yeah, no, absolutely. We we've we've covered a lot of uh territory here. So let me, let me try to just summarize a little bit. Um the the point that you brought up was that the internet allows us the ability to do so much now connect connectedness right and i think what you're saying is don't squander that opportunity like to take them to the old protestant work ethic apply it to this great medium and become successful is that a good summary of what exactly. you were saying because because when people look at the internet and i always have these arguments with people because i'm like i'm always a i'm a polarity guy coincidentium positorum mm -hmm. there's two sides to every argument mm -hmm. um on one end of the argument of the internet, you have every book that's ever been been published is on the internet. Right. Um, and then on the other end of the, the spectrum, you have the worst kind of, like you, child, you have child pornography on it. You have lots of it, 30% of the internet's pornography. You can purchase anything you want on this thing. Any, it, like, it's not even like, um, it's not even like you have to seek out your addiction. They'll offer you addictions for you to, to try. Um, and uh, so there's there's that double-edged sword. So yeah, exactly what you're saying. So maybe what you're what you're alluding to is the the problem. Maybe the way you could be of most service to the general community at large is being able to show them how to get out of the um, 
the addictions, like the common addictions that are people have right now, mm-hmm. in regards to um, you know the term snowflakes. I don't like to use that, but people <laughs> they get offended very easily, mm-hmm. you know, and that don't take advantage, don't take responsibility for themselves, and actually use the process mm-hmm. and persistence that you were talking about to build something out of their lives, right? Yeah, it, it, right. If we if, if the greatest goal, like the greatest work right now, is to be able to teach those people how to evolve in their life not only spiritually but every which way right like that that would that's like the great work of of today because of because with the internet and technology this always happens with humanity the majority of people kind of go to the lowest common denominator mm-hmm. right they don't utilize the potential they get sucked in and, and are taken advantage of like everyone knows that at this point, that Facebook intentionally built their algorithms in order to get the dop- dopamine hits, mm-hmm. in order to you know get people addicted to it, just like crack cocaine, especially young people. That's why a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of like the tech heads in um, Silicon Valley don't let their kids exactly. use technology, mm-hmm. I was right? Say that. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> they don't, because you know, they know what it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing is, it spreads. Uh, a lot of nonsense you know i think yes. the last time we had something like this is when they invented the printing press remember in uh i forget the city but it was in germany somewhere right and uh, gutenberg. Gutenberg, gutenberg that's right and then martin luther believed this was beautiful because we could print bibles and everyone would read the bible and be enlightened but at the same time they were printing all kinds of nonsense they were printing about witches and burning and all sorts of conspiracies and and rumors and it created a huge amount of societal dysfunction and i think we're seeing that now you know we're seeing that Definitely. In, our, in our politics social in social media and how we how we perceive things so what do the techniques do they give you a break they sort of give you a way to create your own facebook if you will Internal? with your content yeah, awesome. and they and they give you a chance to sort of break free from your conditioning that's that's the real value of it but you don't get it in the first 20 minutes no. you get it by sticking to the program that's the craziest part about all of this is that people are going onto social media to take a break mm-hmm. and like they're like this is my break time i'm going to go just be on mm-hmm. social media for 20 minutes it's my little guilty pleasure it's like it, no that's the thing that's causing your anxiety like, <laughs> yeah you, that's not the break time like yes. you're 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 doubling stressing yourself and uh, yeah you, know, you brought it up perfectly I was watching Joe Rogan, I forget who he had on, and they were saying um, since 2014, mm-hmm. um, they've noticed like a change in um, behavior, especially young girls, like 12, mm-hmm. 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Evidently, boys react to social media a little differently because boys still, um, if the boys like act out of aggression, like they'll hit you, mm-hmm. right? Yes. They'll do something like that. Girls... Um, they try to destroy the other person's social relationships. That, sure. That's what they do, right? Mm-hmm. And um, evidently on social media is the best way to do that because you can be anonymous and you can say whatever you want without any mm-hmm. repercussions, right? So th- I don't know how they did it, but they measured um, depressive episodes that kids had. And they found that, uh, like I think it was 11 to 14-year-olds um, after uh, 2014, the the amount of uh, depression in that age group, like I think it was doubled or tripled, right? Yeah. 
and th- they don't know why. And the only thing they can attribute it to is social media. Mm-hmm. And it explains explains like if you if you post something and no one responds to it, yes. right? Then th- they take that to heart. Like it destroys yeah. them, right? It puts them into a depressive uh, mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, we're we're talking about t- there's this incredible technology that's out there. But before you do anything, especially with technology, especially mm-hmm. with young people, you have to get your own house in order, right? Yes. Which, which is back to the meditation, building that strong core, right? And meditation right. is the best way to do that. Um, you know, Justin, you were in the Marines, so you went through like boot camp and everything. Like that builds a certain inner strength, right? You need mm-hmm. to have that. You need to have that in you before mm-hmm. you go out into the world, right? And I think when it, when it comes to the kids, uh, the young ones, they haven't had the time to mature and achieve that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. It's difficult to have the kids. Uh, well, we'll see. Kids we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, see how, it, how it develops. People, yeah. I think it's up to you to go out there and save the youth of today. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, talking, <laughs> I'm talking to you guys. I'm busy. This is part of it. Yeah. Uh, so let me try to summarize what you were saying. Also, sure. One of the big things you mentioned is that when you go down the spiritual road. It's not all joy, happiness, and unicorns and, mm-hmm. and smiling all the time, right? Because and the reason it isn't is that it forces you to change, mm-hmm. and change is difficult. If that change, if what is is in your best interest is to break up a relationship, um, move to a different city, leave a job, or get fired from a job, mm-hmm. and that it's difficult, right? So through those moments, like you're definitely not smiling but if you do the work the practice and you keep that inner strength mm-hmm. and in confidence and faith you get through that and you end up on like at a better place it's just, it's like classic journey, um story of um the hero right the, the hero's journey it, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is when you when you go down the road to uh become spiritual enlightened whatever that means and that's the that's basically the journey that you had right absolutely so you're a hero <laughs> well, well, i think we're all heroes, we're all heroes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way to answer to the, the only response that you can give to that when somebody calls you a hero we're all heroes <laughs> that's right but all in right. people's the case i think he means it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think i think that's a good summary and certainly the persistence is the important thing persistence yeah. definitely so wh- where do you think your your journey goes from here where does it go from here well yeah. you know i'm i'm uh I'm uh, 54 years old, right? So you don't look a day like, older. <laughs> looks like he's 37. At, yeah. At, well, yeah. Yeah. For those that can't yeah, see him. Was, yeah. Well, I guess what I'm thinking is um, here's how I think about my life. Okay. I think about it this way. I say, okay, um, my dad's 94, and my mom's like 90, and you know we have great genes, so I'll be around a long time. But I sort of think to myself. Probably around 74, 75, that's when you lose a little bit of cognition and your ability to do things. Let's put that. So I take um, 54 minus 75. I say these many years. And then I say these many months, <laughs> these many weeks. And I say I'm not going to waste any time at all. Nice. So where do I go from here? Well, yeah. I do things that I think are, that I have a real joy with, you know. I certainly have some ideas around, um, you know, charitable work that I'd like to do, uh, that I want to put together. Um, I love traveling, you know, 
wife and I going to Sicily this year. Right. Every year, we never we never miss a, a year of vacation, and I spend time with my son, and I spend time with uh, people I love, and I I treasure it. So, so I mean, you love us? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, you're very lovable, both of you. But you know, the point of the matter is that uh, where do you go from here for a guy? at my stage in life is really to treasure whatever, uh, you know, treasure the days, the years and the weeks and to really not waste time. That's really where I go from here. That's a beautiful Mm -hmm. approach. Mm -hmm. Great way to end the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. People. Thanks for being on spiritual hustler. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you. All right.